Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by The Podcast Host. They've got everything you need to get your podcast off the ground and to grow it to success, from courses to mentorship to editing itself. So check them out. There's a link at Being Freelance. I'll tell you more about them later on. That's The Podcast Host. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for digital marketer Ian Anderson Gray. Quite often, it will take me at least a couple of days, maybe weeks, to write my articles. But I've, I've found that the more I invest into my content, the more likely it is to do well. It is hard work running your own business. And I've worked incredibly hard. But you've got to know when to stop. And you've also got to think, what am I doing this for? You know, what, what are my ultimate aims? I love working by myself. I love the freedom that being a freelancer and a a small business owner can give you, but we can't be good at everything. For goodness sake, get help in the areas that you're not so good at. Yes, hello. So there's Ian Anderson Gray. More from him in a moment. He's actually going to be at New Media Europe. He's one of the speakers. Remember, this podcast is there too. We're doing a live version. Um, Instead of one guest, there's going to be, I think it's four guests. Yeah, that is New Media Europe, and it is June 18th, 19th. Uh, You can come along just to the Being Freelance session on the Sunday, but there is so much going on. I do suggest you take a look. Final tickets available, so take a look via the link at beingfreelance.com, where you can also listen to previous guests. There's so many up there now. Remember, whatever they do for a living, it's all about the being freelance. So do take a listen to all of them at some point because they all have so much to give. And check out the show notes as well. And reach out to us on Twitter at Being Freelance. Don't forget to subscribe and join the newsletter. Whoa, right, that's all the boxes ticked. Let's crack on and talk to freelance digital marketer Ian and. Anderson Gray. Hey, Ian. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Whereabouts are you based, by the way? I'm in the Grim North, the the northwest of England in Manchester. <laughs> it's grim- not. It's not. It's not the Grim North, but no. you know that's what most people say. You know, it always rains in Manchester. There goes the tourist board job <laughs> that you've been pitching for for weeks. I know. I know. But uh, no, Manchester's great. We we don't we don't need the weather to have fun. Now, how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance. Well, good question. I mean, it depends on where, how far go, back we want to go. But I mean, I, I originally trained as a as a musician. Uh, I went to studied music at university, and then I, I trained as a as singer. So that 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 was really how I started as a freelancer, uh, basically as a professional singer, singing um, at a number of uh, concerts throughout the country. But I also was always very interested in technology. And uh, I dabbled in computers right from a young age when I had a ZX Spectrum computer in my in my bedroom. And when I left music college, my dad retired from his work, and we decided to set up a web agency. A lot of this is kind of really in the early days of the internet, and we decided to build websites for musicians, and we we launched a web agency called Select Performers. And then we quickly realised that. Musicians don't have any money, so that wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> so we decided to diversify and and, um, and uh, built websites for for businesses and uh, other professional organisations. And then around five or six years ago, I was still doing that, still uh, doing singing, and I, and I was also teaching singing as well at a number of um, schools and at the also in Manchester at the Royal Northern College of Music on their Saturday school. I started blogging after years of procrastination. I finally just got round to writing a blog. And my kind of passion at the time, or my interest was was talking about social media 
from the technology point of view and social media tools. So I just started writing what I was interested in. And really from that, it was a slow process. I started kind of doing a bit of consultancy. And uh, in the last year or so, I find myself doing a lot of speaking. So I've been speaking at a number of uh, conferences around the world now. So it's been a really exciting time over the past year. So uh, I wish I could say I've had a solid strategy from the start. But like many people, I think in this business, it's really um, finding my feet and and discovering new ways to a new interest that I have. And uh, certainly that's been the case with speaking over the past year. Cool. Do you still have the like the web agency that you started with your dad? Yeah, I still do that. So uh, yeah, I mean, the, the great thing is that, you know, I, I can do that at home. I also go to my parents' house a couple of days a week, and we still still run that very much so. And when did you begin like the, uh, I guess, sort of like the, the side offshoot from that through your blogging and then into consultancy and speaking then? So that was around five years ago. I, as I said, I wanted to, to blog and I probably had a couple of failed attempts at blogging uh, over the past 10 years, but it was about four and a half, five years ago. I set up a blog uh, called Seriously Social. And as I said, it was a really for me to talk about the te- techie side of social media. And from that, um, I started, I started uh, doing some consultancy and, and also some training as well. It all stems back to a particular blog post that I wrote on the social media management tool called Hootsuite. And I was dabbling with it, playing with it. And I thought it was a great tool, but I was also finding a few frustrations with it. So I ended up writing a, a blog post called Seven Reasons Not to Use Hootsuite. It wasn't a kind of over, it sounds like a negative article, but it was just looking at the pros and cons. And still today, that is receiving over 10,000 uh, visits per month. And it just somehow resonated uh, with a lot of people. And I think so I kind of really a lot of my work today has come uh, has come from really those early articles that I wrote uh, that built uh, enabled me to build up an audience. Wow. Because, uh, well, there we are. Because I was about to say, you know, how did you grow that audience and and where did your clients come from? So so that's it, really, is it? So being, I guess, a fairly early entrant to the scene of blogging about that kind of thing. It wasn't quite so noisy then, right? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, it, it is much more difficult uh, these days to, to do that. But but uh, I, again, I, I have to admit, I didn't have a clear strategy here. But I wrote about some, I certainly in the early days, I wasn't really worried about an audience. So I was kind of just writing to myself, in a sense. I was writing about something I was interested in, I was passionate about, and also sometimes just writing about your frustrations. And um, that was being maybe slightly controversial, certainly with the title for that article. Um, And that really kind of resonates with people. Even today, I find if you're writing something that is clear and detailed and something you're passionate about and maybe something that's slightly controversial, I still think that can resonate with people. Uh, and I was able to build up an audience right from the start. So one thing I was, I was really pleased that I did um, was was build up my list right from the start. So I just uh, set up a free MailChimp account and uh, put something on my website. I didn't really have anything to give away, didn't have anything to sell. But over the over the years, I've slowly built up an audience. Um, so now that I'm in a much better position to be able to sell my services, and, and hopefully uh, one of the things I'm going to be doing this year is hopefully um, launch uh, a course or two. I'm now in a much better situation to do that because I've got an audience. Yeah, which has slowly grown. So, so when did because you, you mentioned there a giveaway because now you have like a, a I think you call it a toolkit, don't you? On your, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and that's that's taken, uh, I mean, to be honest, I've been procrastinating for a long time. Um, but I always knew that I needed to to give something of, val- of value really to people. I mean, it was surprising before I did that, I was still getting quite a quite a good number of signups to my mailing list. Uh, for some reason, people wanted to. Um, but now I find now that I'm able to give away something of value, people are, are signing up much more readily. I'm conscious of the fact that you didn't need to necessarily make the freelance individual side of you work because you had the business as well, right? But how did you start converting clients on that individual side? I think really it has been through those building those relationships. I'm not going to lie. It's been a very slow process and I've spent a huge amount of time promoting my content and also uh, spending a lot of time on social media, building those relationships. And I think because of that, I built up hopefully um, not just engagement, but also trust. They can see that hopefully I know my stuff, that I'm an expert in my field, but they also trust me. And and that's really how it's happened. Either in person, they've they've seen me uh, online, and, and we 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 are actually local. They, they, my clients are local, but that's that's great. But also even uh, around the world or, or in this country, you know, people have seen me online, and we've made that um, we made that development into being a paid paid customer. That's awesome. So when you say promoting your content, is it all organic, or have you paid for reach? Uh, a combination. I think the majority, to be honest, because I'm a bit of a cheapskate, it has been organic. <laughs> I, I think uh, certainly uh, the blog posts are well. They're, they're most of most of the time it is organic. So I've I have just invested a huge amount of time in, in writing the articles. I'm a slow writer, so quite often it will take me at least a couple of days, maybe weeks to write my articles. But I've, I've found that the more I invest into my content, the more likely it is to do well. Um, so certainly those those articles I wrote uh, four, four and a half years ago, they're still getting those 10,000 visits per month. So all that time I spent writing you know, four years ago is, is um, making a big difference to me today. Uh, and even if I'm not getting the chance to, to write any articles, there was a couple of times recently I've, I've not written an article for a couple of months, which is, I can beat myself up about it. But the fact that um, even though I've done that, uh, I've not been writing a blog post. I'm still getting the traffic to my website, which is great. And when you're promoting, is that mostly via Twitter? So for me, it's Twitter. Uh, I'm finding more on Facebook. Facebook is becoming more powerful. But uh, I really find that predominantly I do have to pay for that on Facebook. So it's Twitter, Facebook. Those are my main ones, really. I, I, I have had some success on Pinterest. Um, I don't spend as much time as I should on Pinterest, but uh, but mainly Twitter and Facebook. So you you don't like, for example, have a regular content schedule. You know, I'm going to publish every Monday and Thursday. You wait until you're ready and then you put out something really valuable. Yes, and I wouldn't say that is... I mean, it's something that I, I would like to improve. I, I do think having a regular a regular slot is better. But for me, I've, I've, I'm so busy with loads of other things that I, I just have to kind of build up uh, my knowledge over time and then get the time to actually write the article. So it's not ideal, but it's worked for me. And uh, because I've got a, quite a lot of evergreen content, it's n- there's not so much of a, a pressing need to kind of pump out content on a kind of regular basis. Mm. As well as, uh, you know, using social networks, have you done 
guest blogging or you know i'm just yeah. thinking of other ways that you've promoted yourself perhaps. yeah so one of the th- one of the things this year uh I, I don't do an awful lot of guest blogging and uh, because it takes me a huge amount of time but i have done a few but i'm very very um picky i suppose and so one of the one of the guest blogs i've done or i've submitted to social media examiner so that's one of the the biggest um but well, i think it is the biggest social media blog out there at the moment so I, I contributed an article to that and that's actually been really really helpful to me because it's getting my name out there to a much bigger audience and i mean just just them sharing the article on facebook um i got 1000 extra hits in one day because of that so you know if you if you choose wisely um I, and you invest the time into good quality blogs out there i think it can make a big difference so when did the speaking develop so it's a relatively new thing for me uh i started speaking the early part of last year actually and i mean my background is a, as a professional singer so in a sense being on stage is nothing new to me but speaking is obviously very different and I started speaking at a few local events in, in the Manchester area at the early part of last year. And, and then I was asked to speak at quite a big event. It was, it was called the Big Social Media Conference. So, it was, you know, the, the, the hint is in the name. It was quite big. <laughs> and um, I think that was really, that was the big um, turning point for me. It was, uh, there was quite a few uh, high profile names um, and other speakers in there. There was the likes of uh, Mari Smith and Melanie Dodaro who were speaking at that. And so I felt very privileged to be one of the speakers. And I was already, actually, uh, one thing I forgot was I was actually submitting a, a couple of articles to the, their sister um, blog, which was called Social Media Experts. And because of that, I was then asked to speak at the conference. And as a result of the connections I made at that conference and that's the key here I think that that if I look back it was those connections and the relationships that I built I was then uh, found myself speaking at a couple of conferences in well one conference in Northern Ireland and then one in Dublin and then as a result of that I, I applied to be a speaker at social media marketing world in San Diego not thinking that I was going to to be uh, asked to be a speaker there but because of the relationships I've made I think and, and also being on a number of podcasts and be, being seen maybe as more high profile, I was then asked to speak at Social Media Marketing World this year, which was a dream come true. I mean, I, if you had asked me the year before, would would you would I think of speaking at Social Media Marketing World? I would have told you you are a complete lunatic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but I've, but that's um, that's it's just been amazing, really, over the past year to see um, all these doors opening for me, and uh, it was an amazing experience. It's incredible, and and like I mean, to to go from you know a small meetup in your home city to social media, you know, to this big American conference mm. uh, in such a short period of time is huge. Can you remember still like when you went for that first speaking gig, like how that felt? It it was it was, it was an amazing buzz about the conference. Uh, I felt kind of at ease to a little extent because it was in my hometown and I did know I, I knew some of the organizers but the couple of minutes before I went on you know and this is this is normal uh, I was thinking why on earth did I say yes to this you know I felt really nervous um, but that is that was great because it's that it's that nervous energy it shows that you really care I went on stage and something clicked into place um, which I'm kind of I, I remember how it felt as a as a 
as a singer going on stage, that same feeling that all that energy then suddenly gets channeled into delivering um, the talk. And, and I think that's really important. You want to do your best. So you, you are nervous. It's that nervous energy. And then I was able to then turn it into, into hopefully what was um, an energized and interesting talk to the to the audience so yeah that that was that was a real turning point for me because it it um made me think that all that training as a singer for me was was wasn't uh, a waste you know <laughs> it was a, it's kind of i suppose that in the trade it's known as pivoting you know so i was kind of pivoting as a singer into a, a speaker was the singer part of you still so alive that you wanted to come back on and do an encore? Did you demand roses? To be <laughs> well, I don't think I ever got that as a singer, but but it's interesting. I mean, the same the same feeling of um, that real buzz that I got from being on stage, you know, being able to deliver some, you know, hopefully engaging content, and that buzz afterwards as well. And then inevitably, you get that kind of down the bluesy feeling afterwards because. You know, you've delivered all that, all that energy, um, and then you you kind of feel a bit depressed afterwards. So you then want to do more, and 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 I think that's that's uh, speaking to a lot of other speakers. That's that's a very a usual feeling. You, you kind of um, one's not enough, so you need to do more. And presumably, that then is just driving more and more people towards your site and bringing in more work. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, the, I think it's very very important to to clarify something, although. It's good to to get all this engagement, and it's good to to be known, I suppose, in the sphere. You know, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm starting to. I'm not up there with the the you know the big names with like Mary Smith, in particular, in, in in the social media sphere. All of that is is good to get more of a name for yourself. But being famous is not the same as being successful. You know that you know you can you can be very famous. But does that equate to growing your business and actually making money? No, it doesn't necessarily. And I think that's really important. So I see I see all of this as I, I love speaking. I find it very enjoyable. It does it does bring in work, but only if I actually put some work into it and actually kind of connect with the people and um, develop a, a proper I hate to use the phrase funnel, but marketing funnel, but I think that is really important. You know, what, and also thinking about what your overall strategy is. Uh, and that's taken me some time to develop. Um, so it's not just about being well-known or being famous, if, if, if that's the right phrase to use. It's also knowing, being, being very clear about what you're selling and, and who your target audience is. Have you worked a lot on your site to creating that funnel, as you say? Yeah, it's a work in progress. It's, it's, I mean, I'm never going to be happy with it. It's always going to be, I'm always going to be tweaking it. But yes, I've done a, a huge amount of work behind the scenes. And I've still got loads of things that I want to do. Um, it's a slow process, but absolutely. Now, Ian, if it's okay, we're just going to pause while I remind you that this episode is supported by the podcast host. They have action-orientated courses to get you up and running, to teach you how to edit, to teach you how to present, to make you think about how to speak to your audience or how to build your website. They also have lots of things they can do for you, like editing or creating your show notes or your artwork for your podcast. They have mentorship and a whole lot more. So I hugely recommend you check them out if you want to hone your podcasting skills or get it off the ground at all. Don't be daunted by it. They're lovely. Go talk to the podcast host. There is a link at beingfreelance.com. And if you do start a podcast, 
do tell me, won't you? You've been listening to me yabber on for long enough. I would love to listen to whatever you come up with. Uh, so, yeah, the podcast host. Thanks to those guys as ever. Back to you, though, Ian. One thing I, I notice is that you do list out your surfaces and uh, you do it in dollars, actually, don't you? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> um, I even had a somebody, um, somebody local to me uh, want a, a consultancy session and although I tend to do them online, she wanted to do it in person, which was fine. And she, and we paid, she paid me in dollars, even though she was local. And I mean, I think the reason for that, you know, uh, whether we like it or not, you know, the US dollar is the currency of the web and people, even if you're in the UK or, and you're, you're used to, to pounds and if you, or if you're in Europe and know, know the Euro, I think we all kind of understand and can compare prices in dollars so that's why. And, and also, it's a bit complicated to, if I start kind of doing different prices in pounds, depending on, I mean, I could do it, work out the IP address and the location of the person and give a different price. It's just a bit more complicated. So it, that's why I do it in, in dollars. So how do you manage that payment? Like, is it going into a PayPal account or, you know, how, how does that convert for you? Yeah, so it's PayPal for me. I, I use a tool called uh, Schedule or Schedule Once um, to, to book a consultancy that then sends them to to a page where they can choose their time zone and then the, the time that they want for that session. They fill in a quick form. So I ask them some quick questions so that they I know what it is that they're wanting more specifically. And then that then sends them to PayPal. They can even pay by credit or debit card or, or by the PayPal account. And um, the great thing about that is it goes, the, the money goes straight into my PayPal account and they get uh, the time that they want because it's also synced up with my Google Calendar. So it knows when I'm free and it gets booked into my calendar straight away. So it's a really quite a cool, clever system. That is a smart bit of um, uh, process, shall we say, like having a, that automated kind of system. It stems from the fact that I tried to do it manually and it never worked. So the first thing that you try and do is work out a time that's going to be suitable for both of you and you take you know these emails coming back and forwards and then if you're thinking about time zones so i, I mean i've become quite an expert in um time zones now i think i can have i know uh eastern time pacific time european time i, I i'm pretty good at that but you're still chewing a phone with these emails and then there's the the payment side of things and also i was a bit kind of i i i felt like um i would only send the paypal link maybe just before or even sometimes after uh, and I think I was just a bit kind of haphazard about it. So now I think this proper system looks much more professional. I think most people are very happy to, you know, once they're, they're committed, they're happy to to pay before the, the consultation session. And it just works. It just um, saves me a huge amount of headaches. How else have you find the financial side of being your own business? Well, I think that it is... It is a challenge, I'll be honest. I mean, for me, that side of running a business has never been my forte. The With my web agency, um, we're a partnership, as I said, with my dad. So he tends to, that's his focus, his background is business. And so he kind of takes care of most of that. And with the the more cons- consultancy side of things, that is more of, a, more of a struggle. And I think for me, I've just had to go in a couple of... Um, training courses to to make sure that I'm, I'm kind of up to date with 
the business and the financial side of things to to make sure that I'm doing things the right way. And also just doing things like get a, getting a decent uh, accountant who, who can help you with these things. And one thing I'm in the process of doing also is to get some accountancy software. I think if I kind of went back in time and could speak uh, to myself in the past, I think I'd probably say, come on, you know, don't worry about spending. I mean, these things cost money, maybe 20, 20 pounds a month or whatever. Don't worry about the money side of things, because at the end of the day, you hate dealing with this kind of thing. Just uh, pay the money and make it easier for yourself. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a bit like paying for schedule one, so I presume you do. It's, it's yeah. you know, sped everything up and it makes it, it makes it better for you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think... I, I'm a big um, believer in make a list of all the things that you hate doing. Make a list of all the things that you aren't particularly good at. I think this might be Chris Ducker um, in his book, Virtual Freedom, talks about this. I, I think he calls it like the list of, uh, I might have this wrong, but the list of freedom or something. So make a list of the things that you, you're not good at, the list of things that you are hate doing. And then try and find either a tool or a system that makes it easier for you. Or if you're in the position to delegate, say say you have a virtual assistant, then then um, delegate it to somebody else. But I think to begin with, if you can do it yourself, then you're in a better position than to delegate to someone because mm. you're able to, to you understand the nuts and bolts, and then you can then communicate that to someone. So I think that's where I am. I don't I don't have a virtual assistant yet. It's it's not something I'm, I, but it is something I'm looking at. Uh, for the future, but I'm I'm kind of working out the best systems for me, uh, so, and and then in the future I can then delegate that off. And uh, I'm I'm interested. You mentioned so you're investing in that. You mentioned training as well. Was that like in online or in in person? And did it you know was it valuable? Yeah, they're definitely valuable. Uh, I'm there's there's a lot of there's a lot of content out there. There, there are quite a few courses. The the course that I did was actually uh, something completely different. It was a WordPress consultancy course. Uh, it was it was quite expensive, but it was absolutely amazing course. So much content out there on how to build a successful WordPress consultancy business. To be honest, the WordPress consultancy part of it was it was it was valuable, but it was more valuable the overall course in terms of just running a business, just general business um, advice and. You, there was a free bonus in there on managing money and you know the, the financial side of the business, which I find really, really useful. So it's just um, if you can find a course out there that will help, that works, or if you know anyone that can help uh, with that side of things, um, don't try and do it alone. I think um, I love working by myself. I love the freedom that being a freelancer and a, and a small business owner can give you. But we're not good, we can't be good at everything. And I've I've come to kind of know what my strengths are, but I've also come to know what my weaknesses are. And, you know, I would say to, to people, for goodness sake, get help in the areas that you're not so good at. So if it's money and the financial side of things, then then get some help. Nice. Yeah. You, you mentioned conferences earlier as well. And obviously not just speaking at them, I presume you, you go to them as well. You were talking about making connections mm, at mm. them as as well as, I guess, a place for learning. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, I mean, actually, I went to Social Media Marketing World the previous year and I, I went there. I wasn't speaking. It was an expensive conference and obviously going to the States, you know, got the mm. flight and then you got the accommodation. And I, I wanted to go this for many years and it was the cost in my mind that was putting me off. I was thinking, I really can't justify it. It's so much money to go. 
like I was thinking about all the things that I could buy instead of that. <laughs> and ultimately, I just forgot about that and just went. And I I made sure that I knew he was going and connected with them beforehand. I'm, I'm a I'm probably a bit of an introvert. I am a bit of an introvert. I'm a sociable person, but I, I like my space and I'm not really into the small talk side of things. So I wanted to connect with people before I went. I made a list of all the people I wanted to connect with. And then I went and I found that actually probably about 80% of the people at the conference were introverts as well. And we all, we all understood each other. But it was great because I we, we, we had a lot of, we had that connection beforehand. We knew each other a little bit. And I think all the connections that I made made a big difference to my business. Uh, working out what the return on investment was, 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 was hard, but I think that was one of the best investments I made going to social media marketing world last year, not for particularly for, for the content and going to see the other speakers with them. They were very, very valuable, but for the people uh, that I met there. And it was the same also at uh, New Media Europe last year, um, a conference that I went to. And I was actually speaking at that. But but again, the, the connections that I made and the people was, was so valuable. So I, I definitely say to people, uh, go to conferences, you know, yes, they can be expensive, but you've got to invest in yourself. And I think that was one of the, the mistakes I kept on making. I kept on looking at the cost and not thinking about the long-term benefit what, um, that these mm. conferences would make. Um, and it's difficult, you know, if you, if you go to a conference and it costs, I don't know, 300 pounds or, or you know, a thousand dollars or whatever, you know, that's, you look at that and you think that is expensive. What am I possibly going to get out of it? But my goodness, I got so much out of those conferences. And are those connections within your industry, as in your peers rather than potential clients? Do you see what I mean, the difference? Well, I think it depends on the conference that you go to. So uh, certainly for social media marketing, what it tended to be within the industry with, with peers. Uh, this, this, this year, actually, that I've just been to, there were more business owners who wanted to know about social media. So things are changing. Oh. Uh, so yes, it kind of depends on what you're wanting to do. I think I wanted to strengthen my relationships with the people within the industry, uh, and that's really helped certainly with with um, being known more within the industry. Uh, and I think there's a lot of benefits in 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 helping each other. Most of us are are, are working on our own, so actually building those relationships and helping each other grow our own businesses is, is definitely a big thing. But also. Um, also, you're you're getting yourself known to their audience as well, and, and that that's a big thing as well because we can only grow our audience so far. We need to kind of um, help each other promote ourselves to to other people, other people's list, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, how about the work life balance side of it? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, no, I, I think that is really, really important. I mean, there's a lot of talk. Um, I don't particularly like the phrase. There's a lot of talk. It's a kind of Gary Vaynerchuk phrase, you know, hustle it, you know, the hustle yeah. side of things, which is not something I particularly like. But you, I do think it is hard work running your own business, and I've worked incredibly hard. But you've got to know when to stop, and you've also got to think, what am I doing this for? You know, what, what are my ultimate aims? And a year ago, I, I went to, I took the day off and I just went to a, na, na, um, a National Trust property and just kind of, there was no mobile network there. And I just brought my paper and pen and I wrote down, I had some time 
to to think about what are my ultimate aims in life? What am I doing this for? Why don't I just get a proper job, you know, nine <laughs> to five? Uh, what, what am I doing this for? And as well as being knowing that I would be incredibly unhappy having a nine to five job, I was wanting to do this to support my family. And I was wanting to make a difference in, in this world. And it was thinking about those big the big picture and the big goals. And then everything, it was really asking myself, well, why? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you want to grow your business? And thinking, well, ultimately it is about, for me anyway, it's about, yes, I want to support my family, but it's also wanting to, and this might sound wishy-washy, but I want to make a difference to um, to people around me. I love helping people and I want to be able to help people. That's just the way I'm wired, I think. Uh, and so if I can build a business that allows me to do that, then I'm going to feel fulfilled. Cool. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Oh, this was so hard. Okay, so I appeared on the UK soap Emmerdale. <laughs> number two, I'm a fruitarian. And number three, I helped out at a home for special needs children and adults in Poland. What were you doing on Emmerdale? Well, I don't really remember because I was a baby at the time. Ah, as in you were a proper extra or you just happened to be on a family trip to where they film Emmerdale when um, when they were filming and they said, oh, he's a good looking baby. Let's have him in the shot. Let's get him in the wall pack. <laughs> well, I think it stems from the fact that my my mum my mom was actually an opera singer and she was a member of Equity. And I think at the time to get to get on as uh, on, on any kind of soap like that, you needed to be a member of Equity. So she just got asked to uh, asked to be on, and I, I kind of came on. So they're wanting a baby on the shot. So that's how that happened. What's a fruitarian? So a fruitarian is well, I mean, you, you, you've heard of vegetarians and vegans. Ve- vegans are, you know, don't eat any animal products at all, including honey. But fruitarians, I mean, we believe that um, unless it's actually fallen from the tree itself, um, you know, that's a no-go area. So basically, it's just eating berries and and other products that have that have actually come off the tree. You will only eat fruit that has come off a tree. Well, it's actually got to have to have fallen off the fallen off the. It's yeah, got yeah. to have fallen off. You can't pick it. Yeah, well, you, you know, you, I mean, yeah, we, animals have feelings, but you've got to think about the feelings of the trees as well, and the plants. And then there's a special needs school in Poland, which, uh, oh, you're not a fruitarian. <laughs> yeah, it is the fruitarian. I, did, I didn't do that very well, did I? <laughs> the, you see, do you know what was bad? Was I was sitting there thinking. I, I, I feel like I want to mock this, but what if it's actually true? <laughs> well, what if Ian's a fruitarian or there's a fruit? What if I have a bigger fruitarian audience you can, than I well, thought? And I, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'm sorry if there are any fruit. I mean, I, I actually am a vegetarian, but um, I'm the only vegetarian in my family. So uh, I kind of feel for the fruitarians of the world. I understand them. <laughs> Is fruitarian a thing? It is, yeah. Oh my God. Apparently so. I don't know any fruitarians. Apparently there was one breatharian. So a breatharian was somebody who, who felt they could they could somehow kind of right. not eat or drink anything and just get right. the nutrients out of just breathing. But, right. uh, but after th- two I, days, that I was think, the last I, breatharian. I think they died, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we shouldn't laugh, really. <laughs> but we will. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Oh, just one thing. Well, I, I, um, it's hard work. 
but it is so fulfilling. Do it. Is that, is that allowed? That that'll do nicely because you also mentioned the the finance one earlier. Well, I know, I know. So, yeah. I, I, well, okay. If I was allowed another one, then invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. And I know that's probably cliched, and a lot of people say it, but yeah, just don't be a cheapskate. You know, just beg and borrow money, and just you know, go in these courses and learn, and just tr- don't do everything yourself. You need you, we we need we need help. Don't be worrying about. Um, trying to do everything yourself. Ian, thank you so much. We will put uh, links to everything that you're up to at the website, beingfreelance.com, uh, so you can click through to uh, Ian's site and sign up for his uh, newsletters and things like that and uh, find him on Twitter and thank him for coming and maybe one day he'll sing for you. Um, take a look, <laughs> beingfreelance.com, uh, where you can also sign up for, uh, for our mail out and, of course, check out all the other guests. doesn't matter what they do for a living. Uh, it's all about the Being Freelance, so go and have a listen to them. And, Ian, thank Thank you so much. All the best being freelance. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to chat with you.